0: I'm Ellie. I'm a 44-year-old man who lives in New Jersey. I'm a ballroom dancer. I've been dancing for most of my adult life. I, uh, I like to travel. I like to eat. I like, uh, I like to run, which is something i would never said before in my life, I think. I like to... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a big hiker. I, I've loved the outdoors. I've always been really outdoorsy, pretty active my whole life.
1: Hi there, Coach Alex here from A-Team Fitness. Thanks for listening, as I share incredible transformation stories directly from the source themselves, the individuals doing the work and seeing the results. We'll take a behind the curtain peek at the mental and physical changes that make for amazing transformations. I'm glad you're here. And after the episode, I hope you feel empowered to begin making some transformative changes of your own Let's dive in. Our paths, the first time our paths crossed is actually predates 18 Fitness.
0: Right, at a wedding. At a wedding of a mutual friend. And I had no idea who you were. I didn't even, I didn't know that our paths crossed there. So I have to tell you the story of why the, the wedding, right? So my friend's a dancer, since so we're in the topic of i Am I allowed to say his name? If you want to, yeah. So Nick, Nick invited me to his wedding to Yuri. And I think Nick really wanted to show off his dancing skills. But Yuri isn't a dancer. So Nick's like, and his ex-partner was there. that he used to dance with for many years. And Nick was like, it's a little cheesy for me to like, invite my, invite my you know, invite my dance partner to do a show when it's my wedding. So apparently there's a Russian tradition when somebody kidnaps the bride and then there's a battle. So he came up with this whole idea that I will kidnap Yuri and challenge him through a dance battle. That he will ultimately win and win the bride, and that gave him an excuse to dance with his partner as part of the dance battle. It's a pretty funny premise for that wedding. Um, completely off topic, but
1: but it was very interesting to watch because I remember watching you dance, and I, you know, obviously I knew of you through both Yuri and Nick. Um, so then us coming again into contact many years later, right? It's, it's kind of a full circle, kind of a cool thing, especially yeah. with the dancing involved. <laughs> But nevertheless, you know, when, when you and I first met or when we f- actually first met um, and we started working together, it was interesting because you had already had a long history of fitness. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. What were some of the stuff? Obviously, you were very active. You mentioned you're a ballroom dancer. Tell me about like just your history and your experience with fitness in general.
0: Um, I was captain of the track team i was indoor and outdoor track i was i went to states for discus and fouled all three thro- throws um i used to sort of bodybuild, and then i got into dancing and then um in dancing it was sort of at the time i thought that it was i'd look bad having muscles <laughs> so this is i'm about 20 years old so i started dieting and i lost all my muscles and i looked a little anorexic and for years uh, i was really thin but Wasn't super healthy. Like I had a, you know, I had a hard time um, in competitions. I had a hard time energy wise. And then uh, I quit dancing for like seven years and I put on a lot of weight because I didn't really, you know, I I always assumed this level of activity and, you know, life got distracted. And uh, I put on like, I don't know, um, 60 pounds, 50 pounds. I put on a, a good amount of weight, maybe 40 pounds. I don't remember the exact amount. But I put in a lot of weight and I got back to dancing and uh, realized that it was hurting me because I, at this point I felt like I was a decent dancer, but I didn't look the dancer part. And it really bothered me that people mark you in dancing and really not just by how you dance, but they also use how you look as part of the things. And, and that sort of really bugged me. So I would try to... Um, uh, for years, I would go to the gym, I would try to lose weight. And I always sort of thought that like I knew how to do it because I would lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds, you know, and eventually I got lazy and I would sort of come back to it. So for a while, for many, many years, I didn't seek out help for losing weight because I was like, well, I know what to do. And I find this with a lot of my peers. People are like, when you tell them, hey, lose weight, they're like, well, we know what to do. We'll just, you know, eat more salads and we'll work out more and we'll lose weight. And I said, okay, well, you've been telling me that for years. And well, why haven't you done it? And that's exactly the trap that I was in. And the trap of this, you know, everybody, um, I felt like everybody kind of knows the basics. Everybody knows you you move less and you eat. So you move more and you eat less, you lose weight. So why are so many people, f- few people succeeding? And that's sort of what led me to you ultimately, right? Because to me, it's like, okay, well, I saw that you had, you worked with some of my friends and uh, I saw that you had a lot of luck with them. And I was like, well, um, you know, and I saw the way you worked with them. And I realized that it wasn't like for me, uh, and I remember I remember our, our initial phone call when you asked me uh, why, like you were like, well, you're active, why do you need me? And I said, well, because I don't know best practices. I know what works for me. But also I, the things that I think work for me may not actually be working for me because I don't know any other way. I just keep repeating the same things as if that's going to lead me to the solution. And they never really did. So ultimately for me, it was, um, and I said, you having worked with a lot of people, kind of know best practices. You've seen other types of work as you have other ideas, you have all these different things. And, uh, and that made all the difference. And one more thing that, sorry, I know I'm going along here, but one more thing that, um really really made a difference for me is when i was kind of doing my own workout plan my own planning You know, you get frustrated a lot. When you lose weight, I I should show you the chart. It goes up and down. It goes like this, right? And every one of those little spikes is a little frustration. Like every time you go, damn it, I gained three pounds. I gained two pounds. I gained... Sometimes for two weeks, you don't lose any weight. And you get frustrated and you start doubting yourself. Am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting my time? Maybe I should have a cookie. I'm not losing weight anyway. Like, screw it. This cookie is not going to make a difference. And the one thing that... I remember thinking to myself is if I just listen to what this guy tells me, it might be complete nonsense. I don't know, but I can blame him for everything. The only thing that I need to do is do exactly what he says. If I do what he says, I mean, either going to get the results that he promised me or that he says that I'm capable of getting, or I'm just going to get nothing out of it, but at least it won't be my problem. So I don't need to worry about anything. In a way I, I outsourced all the headaches of what workouts to do, what days to work out, when to do it, all of that stuff. Was outsourced to you, and so that left me with just a plan. I just basically it was like paint by it was like kind of like paint by color. It was a do this, do this, do this, do this, and for me that was freeing. It really freed me to do a lot of things and to um, and to uh, and to ultimately achieve my goals.
1: And that's interesting that you, you mentioned that being able to kind of relinquish all of that control and the freedom it gave you. Because one of the things that I've seen working with people, particularly people similar to you, who have had a lot of prior experience, they have some, some wins under their belt, they have a lot of back and forth, but nevertheless, they kind of always return to what they know has always worked for them in the past. And then if they decide to hire me as a coach, and the process that we do together is different than that i can get a lot of pushback from that because of that experience and that i know that this works i'm not sure that that works it's a little uncomfortable so i'm gonna kind of fight that a little bit because of staying with what i know and so did you find it difficult to relinquish that control and kind of give me the reins of your
0: program or was it relatively once you did it was it relatively easy for me it's a little weird. I feel like initially, no, it was really easy because I was such a bad place. I was just like not achieving my goals. I was frustrated with myself. As the program went on, and I and we could and, and I started achieving my initial goals. And that's the, sort of the mind blowing thing. I remember when you first asked me, What are your goals? And I said, I want to have enough energy for rounds and dance. I want to fix my posture. And I like, I want to lose weight. Right. I think that was the things the three things that I wanted to do and be in shape. And um, I actually achieved those things really quickly. So it was like three months and I was like, I was like cut. And I was, you know, and and I had all these things and all of a sudden I developed new goals and new things. And I got overly excited by a lot of these things. I was like, well, I'm going to run 10 hours a day and I'm going to go lift you know, five hours. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. And I think, one of the hardest things for me was to uh, that you worked with me was the concept of sometimes less is more. Sometimes, and I'm still struggling with this of you get caught up and you, we all have this idea that if we put in twice as much work, we get twice as much results. we put in three times as much work. We get three times as much results. And I think that idea, because that's how it worked for me in the past. I would die three times as long and lose three times the weight. But this was almost a way of, for you, of, of, uh, doing things smarter and not always harder and in many ways I was able to achieve much more with less effort. And I still think, I, th- I still think i give you pushback for that. And I still think that like, it's unnatural for me. And so I still, um, a lot of times when you tell me things that I'm like, you're like, yeah, you can't do, it's too much. You can't do this. Or, or maybe this is ridiculous and maybe you need to focus on that. I think initially I, I sometimes I got a crash and burn to find out that sort of like, you're right. You know, sometimes I have to experiment, but you always sort of like gently guide me back to the correct path. So um, I'd say it's a process. I'd say it's something that, you know, I, I enjoy experimenting. I like the new ideas, but I think I'm always a little bit resistant um, at this point. Yeah.
1: You raise a really good point about kind of less is more and more isn't always more. Right. And, and as you were saying that I was thinking not only with exercise in particular, right? More exercise isn't always a good thing. Like we have to manage the total, especially, which I want to ask you more specific questions about the dance in a second, but especially with the amount that you're dancing and already have a great amount of output managing the recovery and the rest of that, which we haven't always been so great at, but we're getting better at. But then also on the eating side, a lot of people just more generally fall into the trap of, if I need to eat less, to lose more than if I eat even less, I'll lose even more and not factoring in that after some point that just backfires.
0: So I, I, I went through that and I remember initially when we did the weight loss, um, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you go on this cycle and at some point I started feeling really poopy, but I didn't want to stop losing weight. And I didn't tell you for like, I think for like a good month, I didn't tell you that I felt like crap. And at some point I you, you know to now I know more, so I know my testosterone was crashing. I would just at that point um after a consistent weight loss of a few months, you get to the point where your body just needs a little break, and you that's what you said to me. you said, well, maybe it's, we don't have to be done if you want to lose more fat, but we need a, like a short break, and so we stopped for I think it was two weeks or a month we you taught about new and uh I realized that it was. Actually, there's there's a big component, a big hormonal component that I discovered for myself when I lost weight that people talk about, but you don't really feel it, right? So, like a lot of people think that when you you crash diet or when you lose too quickly, that's great. I, you know, I lost 20, 10 pounds in a week. I lost whatever forty pounds in a month. But really, it's not sustainable because you do your body, your body isn't big on weight loss your body's not big on changing it like staying where it is and your body will push back so sometimes and i've learned this with running i've learned this with every a lot of other activities that i've done since i started when you push yourself too hard you actually slide back very often in results it's your body's not you got to be kind of gentle about these things yeah
1: you're absolutely right i mean another way of looking at weight loss is it's controlled
0: starvation right right right. so a very slight a very slight and i think that was um, and and I think that's the as you become when you first start losing weight, there's a lot of leeway. You know, you can eat anything between this and this. As you start getting lower to your goal weight, um, the range is a lot smaller because if you eat like a few hundred calories less, you just crash. Yeah. And if you eat a few hundred calories more, well, you're not losing anything. So as you as you get closer, that that range where you kind of feel good and you have energy and you're still sort of hitting your targets, it's really really tight. Yeah. And yeah.
1: And that's interesting too, because I see it a lot in people. They see a lot of early progress. They start to solidify a lot of good habits and then they get toward the end of their weight loss journey where they're getting to that goal weight or they're getting to a point where they're happy and they're trying to eke out a little extra. And then they find suddenly it becomes really, really challenging to get that last little bit. And some of it's the physiological changes like you're talking about, but some of it too, I think is, Maybe we get a little overconfident or we start to relax. I know you had some experience with this, relaxing a little bit on like tracking our eating or the food choices that we're making. And sometimes we can inadvertently, as you said, that range gets smaller and smaller that you can still see the results. And if you get a little overconfident or relaxed and you go above that, now suddenly you feel like you're working just as hard and not seeing anything happen. Right. And
0: that can get pretty frustrating too. Uh, absolutely. And one more thing that I want to add is that a lot of people have this idea that uh, having gone through and sort of reached my body fat goals initially, a lot of people have this idea that um, they're, they have to do all this work and then they're going to reach their goal and feel good about it. And what's actually interesting is that it's not like that. It's not like, well, let's say that your goal is six months away and you're going to feel good. No, you feel good immediately. Like Within two weeks, I already, I think a century selfie, two weeks after I started, I already could see visual differences. I felt better. The energy levels were different. Like, and that starts immediately. In fact, I would say the least exciting part about the diet is ending it. Because like, what happens is that like, when you're going through your progress, let's say I lost 40 pounds. I think it was about 40 pounds initially. In the beginning, every day you look in the mirror and it looks completely different. And I'm like, whoa, that's huge. And then as you get to the end nothing really changes because you've reached your goal so every day you look in the mirror and it's like oh i got a six pack it's great but it's not really better six pack it's just a six pack right and then like you realize at some point you start realizing that wait i needed to do all this work to get here but it was kind of fun because i saw changes every day and now i'm doing all this work just to maintain this stupid thing and you're like wait that sucks so in a way, it's it's more exciting to lose it, but what I I think what I discovered, and you know, I, I told you my three initial goals is the fact that I thought those were the end, you know, and I think for most people that's your goal. Those are like the end. I'm gonna lose the weight, and then that's your goal. I'm gonna lose the weight, be in shape and feel good about myself. And I didn't realize that 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 was just a gateway to my goals. That was just the beginning. So I was like, all of a sudden I had this body, which I haven't had in ever really in my life, even despite being active. And I'm like, well, what, what can I do with it? You know, I always thought that I hated running. Can I run? Am I even, capable? I, I couldn't run. Am I even capable? Last time I tried to run before you, I blew my ACL. Like I, you know, and that was just jogging up the street. So I was like, am I capable of running? Can I do these crazy hikes? Can I do all, can I, can I, can I do a marathon for example? Can I, and it was things that like, all of a sudden I'm able to do these hikes that I wasn't able to do before. I'm able to go on adventures that I I just wasn't, wasn't really feasible for me to do before. And so now my goals have sort of, the goalposts have sort of shifted to a, a place of not just doing it for vanity because, you know, because, okay, I'm happy with how I look, but doing it because now it actually fills my life with activities and things that I really, really enjoy. And um you wrote something in the in the Facebook group that I think is really close. You said, you know, I like being in shape because when I need it to do something, I always know that I'm ready. Like, it's just, you don't know when you'll need it. One day you, your crazy friend comes over. Hey, listen, tomorrow I want to hike, I don't know, presidential traverse. You want to do it. And most people can't. And then you say, sure, let's, let's do it. So that is, I would say the biggest win at the end of the day, because, um, when you first lose weight, you get a lot of validation from your peers. People are like, whoa, you look so different. That's awesome. But after a year or two of this, people forget that you were once out of shape where it's not something or new people don't even know. So that validation kind of goes away. So you can't go around going, hey, look, I'm in shape because nobody cares. I mean, you feel good, but nobody cares. Nobody remembers. And so you're like, OK, so. I don't need this for validation. I need this for excitement, for adventure. That's really what I need it for. For those people that like that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and that that last point really hit home to me because I remember almost specifically the moment where the majority of the people that I knew in my life had only
0: known me as in shape Alex and not out of shape Alex. Exactly, <laughs> and that's really it's a, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Also, like, um, and I'm like, I'm still that fat kid on the inside. Like, I'm the same person. Like. And uh I remember one of my and, and it's like I remember when I lost weight, this is purely a vanity thing, but I remember like I walked out there out of a restaurant and, uh, with my girlfriend and um, and I um, some lady tried picking me up, and I was like, "That's literally never happened all these years that I' overweight. I mean I, I, I didn't do anything. like I was confused by it I'm like I don't get a why like I mean she was striking up a conversation she's like would you go hang out and I was like that's a weird thing I was like I'm not used to this so um yeah I think in a way it takes a long time to even build that confidence back up because you may you know you you may look different but inside it doesn't change I mean you're still the insecurities whatever you had like and that's one thing that I learned is um you're still the same person you know and so you don't know what somebody's struggling with. It made me a lot. It also made me a lot more compassionate towards other people and their struggles in a way, right? Because I've had mine, and and I know that like it wasn't lack of effort. And I know everybody says that, you know, it's not lack of effort the reason. And I never really believed that. I would argue with my girlfriend at the time, and she like she she worked for Weight Watchers corporate, and they would do research that it's not lack of effort. I'm like bullshit. You just put the fork down, you lose weight, and it wasn't. Um, it was, you know, logging, for example, something that I never wanted to do. It made a huge difference. And, it, and, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of these small things made such a drastic difference. It's amazing how you could do the same thing, but change a few tiny little things. And it makes such a huge difference. Initially, what interested me the most is I remember I said, I want cardio for dancing. I want to be in shape for dancing. You didn't put any cardio in my program. You literally just had me like go to the gym and I'm like, I don't, what is up with this trainer? But I remember rule one, trust your trainer, then I can blame you. And the weird thing is all of a sudden I got cardio for that because working on the beginning really got me winded and you had, you structured your workouts in a way that really got my cardio going. And so every day I would go to the gym, it was like an hour of cardio. I didn't even realize that this was happening. It was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm just going to rest between sets a little bit, then I'm going to push myself and I get to dancing and all of a sudden I had more energy and I didn't need to do cardio. And, um, it pretty, pretty, I wait, I am mind blowing for me. I love
1: it. You know, we've already alluded a couple of times to dancing and I know we'll talk more about it here in a moment. So will you do me a favor though, for anyone who might be listening, who's not familiar with it, will you explain the sport of ballroom dancing briefly?
0: Yeah. It's uh, if you've ever seen dancing with the stars, which I believe everybody at this point has, whether you like it or not, you know what it is. It's like the professionals dancing with each other and not with the well it doesn't have to be professionals it's two people actually you know what so in dancing um i usually because i'm professional so for me i usually explain it as uh professionals uh dancing with each other right and not the stars because i don't know anybody that's a star but really um it's any person right competitive ballroom dancing happens at all ages at all levels uh there's two categories one is like Two main categories are subdivided, but one is like the waltz, tango, foxtrot, those types of dances, and the other one is the Latin category, which is like cha cha, samba, rumba, and those types of dances. And um, I, you know, I started when I was in college. So that had the collegiate level, and I started. The, it goes through all sorts of levels. So you start, you know, we start with like little things you'd you'd see couples do at a wedding, like a little box step of a waltz at the bronze level, and then you went up levels. And and so I have always loved any sport where I could see measurable progress. So that could be running, that could be rock climbing, it could be dancing. Because the dancing, I could say, well, I've graduated to the next level, and the next level, this is how I'm placing. And so it's a way to take something that's an art and uh, that you can't really measure, which for me doesn't drive me as much, and a way to sort of... Um, Measure progress in an art form and in a sport, and so ballroom dancing is essentially um, that's what it is. It's you you go on the floor with a bunch of other couples, and uh, you compete, and then uh, they rank you and uh, and so on.
1: And you know, obviously, this past November, I came to watch you for my first live competitive ballroom. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was very awesome to watch and to see it in person, and it it, it also struck me as interesting all of how in many ways it's related, you know, the limited experience that I've had in the bodybuilding world, how somewhat in some ways it's related in the subjective standpoint of the competitors and what they're doing and how they're judged. And um, in many ways, the politics of the sport and that all, but nevertheless, it's what interesting, interested me most about ballroom when I first met you and I began learning about the sport and, and, helping you improve your ability to dance is this kind of unique combination of very high performance because it's hard. It's fast. It's hard. It takes a lot. It takes being in very good shape, but also the aesthetics, as you kind of alluded to earlier, not looking the part of kind of having to look the part. Right. And the difficulty of achieving those things simultaneously, like I think to bodybuilding where, yeah, the main goal is to look the part. You don't have
0: to do anything. Just stand there and try not to fall over. Well, when you're starving on the stage and trying to flex, it's not so easy, is it? Because all you want is a freaking pizza. Right. I've never done bodybuilding. I would just, that's what I've heard. But I couldn't even
1: imagine trying to get stage ready for bodybuilding, but then have to perform a round of ballroom dancing at very high intensity. Like it just wouldn't be possible. And having to to find the delicate balance of both of those, being able to perform at your best, but also being able to look your best in the unique combination of both of those.
0: That is tough because I think in bodybuilding, I've never done bodybuilding, but I I think in there, nobody cares how you feel or it's just about you need to just look good, right? I mean, as long as you could flex, which may be difficult, I don't know, but you're okay. And ballroom really is... You it's an art form, so you wanna you wanna look the part, you want to have that energy, and you really sort of want to pr- look like you're enjoying yourself. And the hardest part is you have to deal with another human. So I can't just, yeah, I, I if I'm dieting, and I remember this when I was dieting really low and I got grouchy, like my partner. Uh, she wasn't that happy, you know. So, like it was kind of like I gotta bring that energy every day to the dance studio, I gotta bring that excitement, I gotta bring a lot you know, so it's, it's, I think like, like many other things in life, it's a balance, it's sort of, you know, balancing all these things. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier how, especially being surrounded in that ballroom dancing world with a lot of people who are already in by any objective measurement in really good shape, right? Feel like dancing is enough that doing the rounds and practice going to the competitions is enough for them to be in good enough shape to do it. And, and being a little apprehensive to start like a strength training program, cause you don't want to be too bulky for, for the competition. You want to still right. protect your ability to be mobile and to move around. And so for you though, now having experienced a pretty extensive strength training program and right. seeing all the benefits of the benefits of that, in what ways in your opinion, does the addition of a fitness program improve your ability to perform well in dancing?
0: I honestly think that um, I've tried before I started working with you, I tried just because I knew that I would have to do a round for, and for the uninitiated a round is approximately 10 minutes of dancing. You do five dances in a row and it's, it's about the the chunks in which we're competing. We compete for like 10 minute intervals. Uh, we do five dances. So it's two minutes each or a little less, but it's anyway, the, um, I thought that in order to do well rounds, I would just need to do a lot of rounds. And um, that would be like saying that if I'm racing in the 400 meters, the, the training way to do it is to just only run 400 meters. But everybody knows that's nonsense. People that run, you know, a high level 400 meter runners, they run 10 miles. They do long runs. They, you know, they, they you run distances. It's not just sprints. And I think the same thing holds true for dancing. I think that uh, I was never... Uh, part of the reason is you can't truly simulate the adrenaline, the energy levels of a competition in the studio. So whatever you do in the studio, even if it's rounds, even if it's around a round like simulated competition, even if you simulate a competition to try to sort of get the same energy level, it's still not the same energy level as the actual competition. When adrenaline kicks in and things go wrong and you're... You know, you, your partner's look at you like she's about to punch you or kiss you, depending on what's going on. Um, things, you know, it, your heart rate's higher, you're putting up more energy. And so you need to have a level of energy that's beyond what's at. So it's kind of like, I would say the same thing is analogous to hiking. If you want to climb a big mountain, the last thing you want to do is have just enough endurance to climb that mountain that's just a recipe for disaster because if things go wrong, if you get delayed, if you have a harder part in the route, well, now you're in trouble because you don't have that extra reserve to pull from. Uh, so for me, I think that, and I've noticed it. One of the big things was, um, having beyond the energy, like don't limit it, not limiting myself to this. Oh, I'm just going to practice for the event by doing the actual event. But by saying that, Hey, a training program that's varied, that has weight training, that has, cardio that has, um, hit training or d- d- different aspects of that. And, 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 in diet, all that sort of come together to give you abilities to go beyond that. So I never, w- the other interesting thing that would happen is that before I started working with you, we would take, we wouldn't coach very much on the last dance or the last two dances, because my coach at some point realized that it doesn't really matter what I know I'm, by the time I get there, I have no energy and I start pacing myself and I start worrying that I want enough energy. So at some point I don't, I'm not dancing hundred percent and, um, and w- I stopped having to pace myself, which I think is huge. So at some point it was, it became, um, this ability to not worry about it, that I could put as much energy as I needed for the dancing anyway, and that I would make it to the end of the round with no problems. And, uh, so eventually I got there, but it, it, it took a while. Yeah. Is it
1: aside from just having the energy to to not have to pace yourself anymore, being able to be confident that you could as you said before kind of make it look easy by not huffing and puffing. Is there any other specific benefits or improvements that you saw specifically from doing the strength training and having that kind of cross training element to your program? So I
0: think definitely posture, obviously. So like I you um at first um Nicole thought I was nicole's my partner uh she thought I was uh, and my girlfriend, so she 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 thought that I was nuts because I would um um yeah, she thought that I was completely nuts because every night before going to bed I would do abs seven minutes of abs or something. You had me do that because I really needed it, and I didn't realize one of the things I didn't realize is how weak my abs were, for example like. I know that people could do planks for many minutes. I started with 30 second planks and I was shaking everywhere, 30 second abs. And it was, uh, I could not believe that it was so difficult for me, but I guess, you know, when you neglect the muscle group and I thought as a dancer, I would have strong abs, but I didn't. And, um, I remember every night, no matter how late it was, no matter how tired it was for like a good year and a half, I did, you know, like seven minutes or 10 minutes of abs, whatever it was. And, um, You know, I think a lot of the beyond just the idea of doing abs, it was the consistency of just being consistent with one thing and going like, well, and, and I think it's true that when you're consistent in one thing in life, you're sort of proving to yourself that you could be consistent in other things. So the, the workouts sort of pushed the abs, the abs sort of pushed stretching things that I did for dancing. And I think overall that led to a big improvement in posture, a big improvement in energy, um uh, speed is definitely better and um and I think also the the look of the dancing I mean I look different obviously so it's more aesthetically pleasing so we that means that helps me with placing better and um I think that's Yeah, I think those are the benefits.
1: With regards to posture, you know, you mentioned obviously the big posture improvement, which at some point I had sent you the side-by-side of your posture, I think Uh, uh, six or seven months after from where we started. And I remember specifically when we started, there was a pretty dramatic, what we refer to in the fitness realm as an anterior pelvic tilt, right? Your pelvis was kind of tilted forward, which is pretty indicative of a number of things, but a weak core being one of them. And it's interesting because now having worked with many dancers, it's probably the most common thing that I see in dancers. And having gone to the competition and seeing all these dancers in person, a lot of the routines kind of force you into that position to create the shapes and the structure and whatever you're trying to do in your routine. And it it made me think of, you know, the, the commonality of that being for dancers who rely on just practice to improve themselves and they're constantly in that forward tilting position with their hips and they're not doing anything to strengthen the core or to like counterbalance being in that position while you're dancing, right. they start to get stuck in that position. And, and they're kind of always that way. And then, which, you know, if you have to be in that position to dance, it may not be that bad of a thing, except then you have no control over it.
0: Right. 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 I think that like, yeah, the way our nervous system is work, works out is that we sort of learn whatever position we spend the most time in. So In a way, um, I remember I had a a, a dance coach that told me that um, I was sort of just going through the routine and sort of like not dancing 100%. I was like, well, I'm in practice. I just need to figure things out. And when we were dancing to music and he said, well, yeah, but when you do that, you put into body memory being half-assed, like wouldn't you want to put like... You're know, being full-assed into body memory, like giving a hundred percent. Wouldn't you want that to be what your body learns over time, how to really perform it at your best? And I think the same thing holds for posture. You now, I think a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm going to practice bad posture and do all that, and then I'm going to I'm going to turn it on in the competition." And so, what happened is that with posture, that I thought was interesting was um, you don't just learn posture during dancing you learn posture when you're at the gym you learn posture when you're doing working out so just being aware of your core i remember one of the the, the, one of the first things i noticed when i did abs is i was a lot more aware of where my core was um so even it doesn't mean that i was always holding it in doesn't mean i was always had great posture but at least i was sort of aware that it wasn't that great and uh, so i would correct it and that improved the increased the amount of time that i spent with my core held in and sort of help retrain my body. It's obviously still a work in progress. You know, I still catch myself in bad postures and things like that. And um, and uh, you know, hopefully one day, uh, you know, it'll improve even more. But I think that it's it's one of these things that working out outside the gym and what you do in regular life has a huge benefit. At some point, when I was running, I was like, I have nothing better to do. I'm running here for two hours. I'm doing my long run. I got and I was like, let me just think of keeping my core. In. I literally have nothing else. I, I tried to meditate and hold my corner. And uh, you think about it, that, that's a long time to think about that. And it, it had a lot of benefits to doing that. So that I thought it was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. And it was a pretty dramatic posture change. I think I, what I'm going to do in the episode description is I'm going to post the picture that I had sent you Yeah, go for before me. and after. Because I think it, it's hard to visualize those changes. But when you see them side by side, it's like yeah, night right. and day. Um, tell me a little bit about the running, which is a newer obsession, I'm going to call it, of yours. Uh,
0: tell me how you got into running. So first I got into running, I, I, my roommate Max um, and I were running up this hill in the back of my house, and I live in a mountain, and we would go for 20-minute runs, and I would run as hard as I could up this hill, and down up this hill, and up the hill, and down the hill, and I would time myself every time. Like it, I treated like every run like it was a race. And it was absolutely miserable. And eventually, I was like, well, I haven't ran a mile in forever. So I was like, well, let me see if I can run a mile. And I ran a mile like under eight minutes or eight-minute mile or something like that, which I was very proud of at the time. Especially since, oh, I don't know, last time I ran a mile. And for a while, I just did that, but I really didn't. Um, I didn't enjoy cardio very much. I think that... And this, by the way, you didn't tell me to do this. You had me doing I was doing HIIT training and things like that. And um, and so this was my fault. I sort of trained myself to do cardio. And I thought that, you know, I'm burning 300 extra calories. I was also, I can eat 300 extra calories more. And I know I'm not supposed to do that, but, you know, mentally. And then um, eventually I... Um, I, I, started, uh, you made a joke about, uh, running a marathon, which is something that I never even thought about, but now that I was in shape, I was like, I don't I run a marathon? I mean, it's something like measurable, something that I could do. And I knew nothing about running a marathon. So I started, you know, I got a marathon program from uh, a marathon program and I, uh, I started following it and, um, then I, I did a lot of you know would talk to you and did a lot of research and i, I discovered that uh, most marathon runners don't actually train with like wh- what a lot of people do is is they run either at a, they run it as hard as they can for a certain period of time and then it's miserable they really hate their lives and what i discovered is that i can get a lot more bang for my buck Um, running in a low heart rate and the system is called MAF training. And basically uh, I could, I would try to keep my heart rate under 137, 37 at the time I was 43. And, um, and in the beginning I couldn't even run at this heart rate. So it was such a low heart rate. um, I I walked most of the time. And what's interesting is it really works your uh, aerobic system versus your anaerobic system. And, um, I was able to, I really enjoyed running because running was easy in the beginning. I was like, wait, so I can walk and it's cardio. I literally could just walk and jog every like five minutes for 30 seconds. And that my heart rate was already spiking up. I was like, it's cardio. And I was like, okay, so this is kind of cool. So I kept doing that and kept doing that. And uh, now at the same heart rate, I'm running a lot faster. So, you know, it's been a year and a half later and maybe less than a year and a half, but over a year. And, um, I'm running a lot faster than I was at a very low heart rate. It's it's uh, And I'm enjoying myself because I'm, the energy output isn't suffering. It's at the level where I can have a conversation. I can talk on the phone. I could listen to podcasts. And so I would say it's not just the – I would say people ask, aren't you bored running just doing it? And I'm like, no, it's the, actually the best thing I do all day. I literally listen to books I love. I learn about the world. I listen to podcasts that I really enjoy. I do all these things because I'm because I'm not suffering. I'm not like going, Oh my God, my life sucks. And that doesn't mean I still compliment that sometimes we add hidden to my program. So I still put hidden and things like that to sort of target the other, the, the, the anaerobic power. Um, but yeah, so it's been one of these things where my whole life, I think I've been doing it wrong and I'm not, I'm one of these people, I'm not built to be a runner. My shoulders are really wide. I'm built like an anchor, not a speedboat. Like, I'm not, I'm certainly not built to be a long distance runner, maybe sprinter. Everybody knows the lanky guys that run around. Like, I'm not a lanky guy. I, I'm I'm built for like bodybuilding, to have muscles. And um. And that's led me to another, I think, really important realization for me. Um, and that is that it's, you know, when we grew up, you go through high school and you want to be the fastest runner on the team, the fastest swimmer, the best dancer, even. And even in the dance world, you know, like in ma- many times, you know, we feel my partner and I feel like failures sometimes in dance world Cause we're like, Oh, why aren't we at this level, the next level, the next level, you know, it's like, and we're already one of the best dancers and like, you know, you're professional. So, I mean, how many, prof- there's like 60 professionals in the U S. So you think there's lots of people that are worse dancers who would love to be at our level. But for us, it's, to, you know sometimes when we lose focus we think of just about results or you go to you know uh, you lose focus and what I realized is for me whether it be running or dancing or any of these things real happiness comes from improving versus myself if I'm better than I was um, then I'm happy and then not, not just better than I was but better than I am at a certain age because that also has to be taken into consideration so you know I stopped caring like I realized I'm never going to Win, and I'm not going to win marathons, I'm not going to win any race really. I'm, 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 you know, I'm a decent runner, but I'm, I'm not built for it. I'm never going to win. Uh, but similarly, I'm never going to win uh, any large dance competition. I'm not going to win, you know, um, you know, I'm not going to win the U.S. title or anything like that. And uh, and that's okay because I'm still improving. I see the videos and I see improvements, and I'm okay with that. You know, so really learning to appreciate that. And, and, I, and I, still, I say this to many people, both in athletics and both people that are really passionate about what they do in dancing. And I say, if the only goal you're dancing is to be a U.S. champion, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So if the only reason you're running is to win a race, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Because if you don't win that race, what, you're going to tell me that was all a waste? And I think that's, the, and I think that's true for fitness and everything. If the only reason you're – if you think that you're going to lose weight – and that's it. You've reached Pansia. You'll be happy. And that it ends there. It doesn't. It's just a journey. It's a journey of sort of finding things you enjoy. And so dancing has been a big part of that journey at this point. And, um, and something that I, I still, like I said, I don't know that I consider myself a runner, but I enjoy running. And that's really what matters. Yeah,
1: And, and what you just said really connects with kind of my philosophy on things, as you well know now. And in psychology, we refer to that general consensus of human growth and potential as the humanistic perspective, which is like, we have this innate desire to grow and see our potential come to fruition and kind of see what we're made of in the world. Right. But then also tying that into in the way that you're looking at it, which is through this lens of a growth mindset in that you just want to see yourself get better compared to previous versions of yourself and not so what I'll call overconsumed with your performance compared to other people, which I think is a really important point.
0: Yeah, because I completely agree. In any endeavor, that's ultimately where I think happiness comes from. And I think if you think of how many world champions there are and how many people in any sport, in any activity you might do, um, the chances that you're gonna be a world champion in something are very, very low. And I'm not saying you shouldn't aim for that. But I'm saying you should make sure that you you would be happy even if that doesn't happen. And for me, that's truly a, a, a great realization when I when I finally got off the co- competitive bandwagon and realized that, yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I get bummed out when I don't get good results and I want to do we'll good races and I want to do well in dance competitions. I definitely get bummed out. But it's still worth it because at the end of the day, I really enjoyed my time. I like dancing. I, I like performing. I like being out there. So, you know, they are the fact that somebody else might be better or place better than me doesn't take that away from me.
1: And it's interesting too, as you alluded to earlier with kind of the end of your weight loss journey being the start of a larger journey. And I think a lot of people come to that realization similarly to you, where they think, okay, I get to the weight. I'm going to be happy. It's all going to be job well done. I can sail off into the sunset, live happily ever after. And what a lot of people begin to realize is that a, that doesn't fix all their problems, but more excitingly B it is just that end result of that beginning part of your journey is just the gateway that opens up all of these new opportunities and new ways to explore your potential and activities that you didn't previously even consider like running, for example, which right. I want to make note that the running for you is particularly impressive, especially because at one point you had worked up to doing 16 mile runs. I think you might've even done a 20 mile one at one point. I think it was like 18 or 21. Close enough. Eight, we'll consider it 20 um, without any functioning ACLs. Right. So I don't have any functional ACLs in either leg, which that's impressive in its own right. The fact that you accomplished that. Um, so, you know, it's important for people to understand that. Yes, you're going to improve your confidence. You're going to feel great. A lot of the aspects of your life is going to change as you get closer to that weight loss goal, but ultimately it's going to open the door to new avenues that you don't even necessarily know exist yet and to ways you explore yourself and your interests and what you're able to do. And so going into that moment, I think is important with a similar mindset to you, Ellie of let's just see what I'm capable of with the right hard work and effort versus what I think happens to a lot of people, if they ever make it to that point with the mindset of, I need to be better than other people is this kind of paralyzing fear of, Not accomplishing anything.
0: Yeah. Stay off of social media. That's a big tip to anyone, whether you're losing weight or not, just stay off of social media. Not everybody's life is social media all day long. That's a very good advice, Ellie. I also want to just briefly mention, you know, when you were talking
1: about the MAF training and that lower heart rate training and how it feels very comfortable, you're not dying during your races. You're able to talk on the phone, you're able to carry conversations, you're able to listen to audiobooks. It's important for people to recognize that. There are other forms of training like MAF that don't require you to feel like death afterwards. So if, you know, a lot of people are turned away from HIT style training or the more intense forms or they feel like they have to have it be a certain intensity level for it to be productive. And that scares them away if they just feel miserable every time. And so I think it's great that you shared kind of your experiences with a style of training.
0: It's not too bad. I, yeah. I would say that the the biggest thing to learn is no pain, no gain is nonsense. It's just nonsense. You could, you could go, you, uh, it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put effort in. It doesn't mean that it's never going to get hard. It gets hard, but the amount of suffering you do is not proportional to the amount of benefits you get. It's just not. There's a lot of, like, I mean, think about it. You, you can bang your head into the wall as much as you want. It's a lot of pain, no gain. So, the same is sort of true right so i and it's that's not to say that for example with hit style training um there's a lot of pain but it's a very short period of time it's you know it's all the pain but you can handle it because it's short you know so there's a lot of different style training some are more intense than others some will require more effort and uh from the stuff that we've been through so you know some of them require more focus and more effort than others uh, it's all about sort of, and I think that's where, that's where you come in in a way, right? Because I, as the person that I don't have a lifetime of experience in the fitness field, I know what works for me or what worked for me. Um, I don't know all the, all the, all, all this stuff. So I've been kind of going like, okay, so i this is the goal I want to achieve. And how do I get there? You know, by the way, I know Alex is a big fan of running, but he tells me to run less people. He told you to run less. So well, that's the next growth.
1: Well, let's touch on that. But before that, I gotta just make the brief comment that I need to be very careful about making jokes about running marathons, because this is the second joke that I've made, and it has led you now down this path of running. Whereas the first time I made that joke, which was to Yuri, the friend we mentioned earlier, and that led to my having to run my first marathon, my first and only marathon.
0: So is this you? Are you are you volunteering to run my first marathon with me? That is that what we're hearing right
1: now? I'm volunteering to be on a bike, being your water boy.
0: <laughs> no, it's um, you know, um, being a marathon is definitely uh, running a marathon is definitely a very time consuming thing. You have to, you know, it's it's. I haven't done it yet, so I can't really lecture about it. But I, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing my first one whenever that will be. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully sooner, right?
1: You know what, I do want to dive into a little bit is kind of going back in time chronologically a little bit to kind of the beginning of the pandemic. This was maybe six months after we started together. You, if you recall, there was a, a show at your dance studio that you were preparing for, a very particular role. And that kind of led you down the path to just like this really what I'll call an advanced level of leanness. Right, Which right. We kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but what, so what I'm curious to hear your perspective on is one, what it was like to try to keep up with the workout routine in the very beginning of the pandemic, when things got a little crazy. And right. then kind of the lessons you learned from the outcome of
0: getting stage lean and with regards to body. Right. Um, so it wasn't normal. Like you said, it wasn't normal stage lean. Cause keep yourself, keep in mind, all the gyms were closed. So now I remember we had a talk and we discussed, okay, well, the gyms are closed. So now we can, and I was, I was very lean, but I, I was like, you gave me a choice of, you can either just, if you want to experiment with getting like stage low body fat, like super low body fat, we can do that. Or if you want to start bulking, we'll do that. And I said, well, I don't have the equipment to bulk. So we both sort of agreed and said, let's just have fun with it. Let's see like how low of a of body fat you can get, I can get. And so, one of the coolest things that I've done was i you gave me um workout plans uh, to do that required just body weight and like like simple things like I could grab a door or something like that. And I think at some point bands, things that I didn't need a lot of equipment. so you gave me like elastic bands, really creative stuff. and they kicked my ass. and you you think that like uh, I like I, at first I, I thought, oh, it's these bands. Oh, it's a silly workout where, it's going to happen and for me it was an amazing an amazing feeling because i would do it on the football field in my house so every day at um i would go sometimes it's four in the morning sometimes two in the morning sometimes in the afternoon it was a crazy schedule but i would go to the 50 yard line of the football field and i would work out right there in the middle of the 50 yard line and uh sometimes my roommate Uh, would join me and sometimes he didn't join me sometimes um, you know as mostly I was there alone and um, I still remember like I used to do these walks knee walks touching my knee for the whole length of the football field like several times and it took me a long time before I could do the whole football field without stopping like it took me a really long time and I still it's still one of the hardest things that I've done and um and it was, it was just a, it, so to be at that low body fat at some point was, um, it was a miserable experience. <laughs> it was, I realized that, you know, we all have this fantasy of looking stage ready and maintaining it. Right. And then I realized that it really wasn't, it wasn't like this thing that felt like it, it, it was like, you look great when you're that low body fat, but you feel like poop. So I was kind of like that that energy that managing the energy levels like I talked about with the calories became that margin became really really small of what I needed to do and um, at some point I it's a trap almost because you feel like poop and you're super low body fat and you don't really and the solution is just to eat more but you you've worked so hard to get to this body and you're like I don't want to eat more but you sort of have to. Eventually, come to the reality that you that level of body fat isn't really maintainable year round. It's even if you could maintain it, it's not worth it. You you know you're miserable. And um, I think that I I was you know once I started eating, actually, the cool thing is that when I started eating, I didn't gain the weight back that quickly, and I had a lot of energy. So now I'm like I'm really fast because I have this energy. And I'm, I ate and I think you had told me because I had this big hike that I wanted to do, which was a presidential traverse in one day, the extended version in New Hampshire, which was like 10,000 feet of altitude. I think it's with well, the version we did was about 10,000 feet and I think 24 miles. And um, you told me just wait until you you put on like four pounds after this session and then you will be able to do it. And you were right. Like it was amazing because like now I'm super lean, but like I have enough energy to do these crazy things so i would say that the it wasn't just exciting getting lean but for whatever reason when your body's so hungry the gains that you make when you go back to eating were tremendous so like it was almost worth it to get lean just for that because after that you get these tremendous gains where you feel amazing you're like oh my god this is amazing like i got so much energy and um but so i i you know, it would be nice to do that again. And I think now I have the, it, so I had a, a, a goal uh, for, um, I don't want to ruin it, but in my dance studio, I, there will be a, uh, the the showcase number where I'm supposed to be topless and uh, doing a Disney character. And uh, so that got canceled because of COVID and apparently they just rescheduled that show for two months from now. So hopefully um, I will have like, another lean moment uh, for that show as well. So that's, that's my it. version of competition, of a of, of bodybuilding competition, if you will, minus the judges.
1: And that was an interesting situation. And I think one of the reasons, it, there was kind of a perfect storm of scenarios that allowed us to con- continue to push your training to that level of leanness. Obviously COVID had closed all the gyms. It kind of forced our hand in terms of, like you said, we would just decide to have fun with it for a little while while we kind of waited to see what the world was going to look like. At the time too, you weren't doing very much dancing, if I recollect correctly. So the studio was closed. So the the lower energy levels that you were sure to experience wasn't going to be a huge detriment because you weren't you didn't need a lot of extra energy outside of your workouts. Right. And so that kind of allowed us to to get to that point and have that experience. And the interesting thing that I think was important that you shared was the reality of what it takes to get there and the reality or lack thereof of what it takes to stay there. Cause you know, those physiques are the ones that make it on the magazines that make it on the cover of the workout eBooks that make it on the websites. And that, those are the physiques that everyone aspires towards. And oftentimes I feel like if people set out on that and don't ever get there, kind of feel like a failure, even with all the other positive changes that might come. And so, uh, you know, it's good for someone who's gotten there to, to really share from ex- firsthand experience, like it's not really all it's cracked up to be. There's some benefits to it, right? You are obviously very lean. There's a lot of muscle definition. The spring back from that can be very good and very fun as you actually, you know, it's all a comparison thing, right? You go from having no energy at all to now being full of energy and that dramatic compare, you know, drastic change is going to make it feel better than it otherwise would. But it's important for people to recognize that, like, okay, it sounds really good and it looks really good to get to that point, but may not be all it's
0: that you're imagining. Experience, anybody that wants to do that should do it at least once just to see what it's all about. And you'll probably never want to do it again. There are some sick people who want to keep doing it and that's fine, but it's, it's very, it's very hard. And it's very, it's, um, and at the end of the day, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, you know, I don't know. It was, it was a good experiment, good experiment, but. I remember yeah. it was funny. I, I had somebody, um, my girlfriend, I remember somebody said, uh, oh, like, how come you don't have a six pack when you just walk around? And I'm like, I think people have this image that like ripped people, bodybuilders walk around with like chiseled six packs. They don't realize that all of the people in the magazines and the movies, they're all flexing. And I'm like, I, I, we have this warped image of what we think happens. And it's like, even at low body fat, if you're not flexing, you might see a little definition, but you're not going to get like a chiseled six pack. These people are flexing. Oftentimes, a lot of the stars are on steroids. You know, I mean, and they don't tell you that. They, You read these magazines and they're like, oh, eat my diet of like, three pairs and you two will have like chiseled six pack. And it's like, yeah, that and the steroids you just took in the, the morning, you know, they, 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 they sometimes don't talk about what actually, what they actually did. And so I would say that for me, for somebody who's natural, um, you, you know, I, you are going to have those hormonal changes, you know, it's, you don't have the, once you, your, your testosterone drops, it's it's a terrible feeling. I don't know to any men that have had their testosterone low, it's a terrible feeling. Like you feel sluggish, you're irritable, you um um yeah, it's it's things that are not G-rated, so I won't mention them, but just it's not fun.
1: The the last thing I want to ask you about, you know, when we first started together, you were taking blood pressure medication. Yeah. And, and, and if I recall, you had been taking it since you were a very young age, right? 16, 16. So from 16 now, again, putting into reference the fact that you weren't really that out of shape at any point in time in your life. I wasn't at some point, you were in really good shape, but yet we're on blood pressure medication. Tell me a little bit about kind of the progression of that shortly after kind of starting the structured routine that you did.
0: So yeah, I've been on blood pressure medication since I was 16. And um, I just took it every daily for 26 years, I took a blood pressure medication. And uh, I remember I started working with you and I didn't think anything of it. It's one of these things where I also, oh, there's some heart, I'd like PVCs, which are like benign palpitations that are not enjoyable. And I remember I... Um, uh, I was doing, I think, squats in the Smith machine. And every time I would get up from the squats, like during the set, I would feel a little lightheaded. It was pretty weird. And I'd go down, and I'd go back up, and I'd get a little lightheaded, and I'd go down. I thought there was something wrong with me. And it, it started getting worse. So next time I did squats, I started getting lightheaded again. When I would get off, any exercise where I would, like, be you know, like press any, any exercise where I was sitting down and I would get up quickly, I would get lightheaded and it's pretty weird. And I have a blood pressure machine and I, this my blood pressure. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was really low. And, um, and then I was like, oh, so, all right. So I was like, maybe I'm just, don't need blood pressure pills. Maybe it's my blood pressure is getting too low or something. So I stopped taking the pills. Um, on my own, I probably shouldn't have done that probably should have asked a doctor if I could stop, but I just decided, you know, if two days of high blood pressure is not going to be the end of the world. Stop taking the pills, stop getting lightheaded. Everything was fine. Uh, so I knew it was related to blood pressure because as soon as I stopped the pills, that symptom went away and I measured my blood pressure and, um, it was normal. It was like 120 over 70 at the time. And, um, and I remeasured, measured again. Measured. It just didn't, I mean, I've never had 120 over 70. It was insane, right? For me, for somebody who's usually was running pretty high blood pressure. Uh, at some point, I was 160 over 110, 160 over 120. I had a pretty high blood pressure. Um, I remeasured. I did that for like a week or two. I made an appointment with my cardiologist. Don't know why to inform him. So I, I go to the cardiologist who I was seeing at that point twice a year, you know, for checkups and stress tests and EKGs and all that stuff. And, um, I told him what happened. He took my blood pressure, he verified that I, indeed I'm, you know, normal blood pressure. And he said, well, you don't need me anymore. And he said, well, when do I come back? And he says, you don't, he says, unless your blood pressure goes back up, you're measuring at home. There's no, you don't need, you don't need a cardiologist at this point. And, uh, that was something that I've, I've, I, you know, it makes sense when you hear about somebody who gets some blood pressure medication, maybe makes some, some healthy food choices. Um, and then, and then that happens, but you don't think after 26 years, you know, with probably genetic blood pressures in my family, it's really easy to find an excuse. And, um, and I should say this was without any sodium modification, nothing. So I didn't change. I mean, I, ch- I ate healthier, but I didn't intentionally eat with less sodium. So I, I ate, you know, healthier stuff. So nutrition was a part of it uh, for sure. And uh, I haven't been on blood pressure medication since. So I still measure it every so often. And it's uh, you know it fluctuates a little bit. When I'm dieting a lot, it's lower. Uh, when I'm normal, it's a little bit higher. But it's all within the normal range. And so I actually had a really exciting um, eye appointment. I went to the eye doctor. And he, the one place they could see long-term effects of blood pressure is in your retina. They could look at the veins and see what, if they're kinked or not. And I asked him, do you see any evidence of blood pressure damage now that i've been off it for a year and a half who knows and he said no nothing He's like you're completely clear so i'm hoping that that's the last time i'll be on that stuff for the rest of my life who knows but it's uh something that i it's a health benefit that i didn't look for because i didn't even think it was possible
1: and that's you know that's an amazing story and an amazing example for people to realize the potential benefits outside of just the aesthetics when they're trying to lose weight, when they're improving their diet, when they're getting into exercise, there's more.
0: I would actually say that that's way more important than aesthetics. It's way more important than hiking. I mean, I think just being healthy and sticking around for a while is a huge thing. And, And we all know the path of pills, right? The pills don't end there. Eventually, then you get on statins, then you go on this, you go on that, you get metabolic syndrome. You know, when they start giving you pills when you're young, it's it's not the end of the road. It's the beginning of, of, of a road. And, and I think making that choice to live a different lifestyle, even though I didn't make a conscious choice to get on blood pressure meds, that choice that I made to be healthier, to live healthier, th- that was really the critical choice. And in hindsight, um, probably the the best choice I've ever made was working with you because it led me here. You know, so it, I would say, and I think I told you this before, I said, but, you know, the the money I, I mean, you're not very expensive, but the money that I spent um, on working with you is probably the best money I've ever spent. Like I got the most bang for the buck. If uh, you think about it, really healthy lifestyle, longevity, uh, active lifestyle, helping with dancing, all these things uh, tremendously. Um, it's, you can not ask for a better return.
1: I love it. And I want to end it there. So thank you so much, Ellie. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to feel inspired by your story and the
0: journey you've been on thus far. Thank you so much, Alex, for everything. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for tuning in. If you feel inspired by this story, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to book a free discovery call to talk with an A-Team coach, head to the episode description or visit us at A-Teamfit.com. That's A-T-E-A-M-F-I-T dot com. We'll see you again soon.